0: This is the Small Mouth Crush Podcast. If you're a hardcore angler, you've come to the right place. This is a weekly podcast that will interview some of the top smallmouth bass anglers in North America. Travis and his guest will discuss what it takes to consistently catch big smallmouth, and you'll get a glimpse inside the mind of a trophy smallmouth angler. And now, here's your host of the Small Mouth Crush Podcast, Travis Manson.
1: Yo, welcome to the Small Mouth Crush Podcast. My name is Travis Manson. We got another great guest lined up. I hope everybody's having a good week. We're going to be talking big old smallmouth again today. The top smallmouth anglers in the country. And this guy coming up is a true smallmouth stick, although he might not admit it. He does a number on these northern fisheries all over the country, really. But an amazing angler. I want to welcome Ron Nelson to the show. And we're going to bring him on. There he is. How's it going, buddy?
0: Hey, doing great. Welcome. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, thank you. So real quick, I just want to uh, let everyone know a little bit about background, about yourself. If you can take a moment, let us know where you're at right now in, in the country. I want to talk smallmouth fishing with you.
0: Yeah, I live, in, I live in Michigan.
1: When does your season start for you?
0: You know, I think our first event is supposed to be in February, but the, uh, the whole cutoff and off limits, that kind of deal. I do want to pre-fish Okeechobee because I haven't seen it in four or five years, and this okay. year the lake's up. You know, if the water's up two feet, I think higher, so sure. it'll be a whole different lake. I mean, it'll it'll be different. So I'm excited to get down there and kind of get get that feel back to that that it's lake.
1: Be, it's gotta be a blast being able to get out of Michigan in January and February and head down south and catch some big old bass. Um, oh, man, yeah. have you been doing any fishing now up your way, or is it pretty much done? You know I'm between I'm between boats right now.
0: You know, sold okay. my last boat, and the new boat's not arrived yet. But I've got a buddy of mine who's got a an old river boat. You know, and sure. we jump in together and go out and catch some walleye or steelhead and a few smallmouth bass that are mixed in. You know, fishing the river here. Right, right. So I definitely love to get out when the water's cold. You know, mm. I think yesterday we were out. It was like 28 degrees for a high. Sure. The lines lines are freezing up and stuff, but we caught. Some real nice steelhead and some real nice walleye, and it's just something fun to do.
1: Absolutely, I mean, as long as you're fishing, right?
0: Oh yeah, fishing. I'll take. I'll fish off the shore for all I sure. have. Sure. I mean, I'm you know, right? I mean, I'm, right. A, I'm a I'm a tournament guy. I love to fish, you know, on my bass boat. But I'm just a fisherman at heart, you know. Exactly. And so, to be uh, fishing for a steelhead, that's I'm happy, you know, or for walleye, I'm happy. Sure. It doesn't have to be bass all the time.
1: Right, right. So what is your uh, home body water would you consider uh, as far as for smallmouth goes?
0: You know, I'm 10 minutes from Lake Michigan, so I'd say Lake Michigan is my home body of of water for smallmouth. Even though I'm on the uh, southwest corner of the lake, it's not really known for smallmouth down here. There's not huge populations of them, but they are here and you can catch them.
1: That's interesting. I want I want to talk a little bit about that. I know parts of Lake Michigan. I've never fished the most southern end. You know that Chicago all the way down through Indiana, up through Michigan, and then of course I know it. Just looking at a map, there's got to be some amazing areas to fish up north, further north, up into Michigan on Lake Michigan. What are your thoughts? I, I mean, I I'm certain you fished Sturgeon Bay, the Bay of Green Bay. Does it? How does that differ from that? You know, it's the same lake, essentially, but how does that differ?
0: Oh, absolutely. It's a complete uh, different environment. I mean, I fished the uh, the title event over on Sturgeon Bay this year for the MLF, mm-hmm. and my first time being there. Oh, okay. And it's definitely, definitely a smallmouth fishery as far as having the rock structures, all the humps, and offshore-type structure. Whereas where I'm at, I'm on, the, I'm on the main lake of Lake Michigan, Okay. and so there are no... You know, we have drowned river miles that come into the lake and such, but it's basically you're in the main basin of Lake Michigan. so
1: Exposed. A lot
0: less, yep, it's fully exposed.
1: Can't hide.
0: There's of, yeah, there's more sand here than there is actual rock structure in that part okay. of the lake. Sure, and sure. And we've got nice sandy beaches here and stuff, but there are some rock structures out there and stuff. And those fish buttons suspend a lot too.
1: Do you have to travel far to, to find fish on that section of the lake, or is it uh, – is it easy to pick up a map and look at your graph and kind of look for key areas, or is it more you just you fished it a lot? You've you've been on that body of water. Like for someone new that's going to try to explore that section of the lake, how hard would it be to figure it out?
0: Very hard. Would it be you know, sure? It's, it's, yeah, just because there's not much of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one thing. Like going to Sturgeon Bay, for example, there's smallmouth habitat kind of everywhere, and so sure. you kind of stumble, you can stumble into smallmouth pretty easy. Whereas in the in the main basin of Lake Michigan here where I'm at in the Southern end, there's just, there's not lots of that structure. And so, yeah. and these fish here, they, they act completely different too. I mean, they're really, they're okay. Different. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just like they love an offshore wind and the water flips over and gets cold. They just, it's completely different. I mean, how they spawn, how they mock spawn. I mean, it's just a whole different, I remember when I first started to travel and I say travel like fishing in Lake Ontario,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know,
0: I've seen the St. Lawrence river, you know, I expected those fish to kind of act like the fish in my backyard they didn't you know, sure. good.
1: totally different Wow yep, yep as far as far as size goes what are we looking at on on that part of, of Lake Michigan is there some pretty good trophy fish like five plus pounders or
0: oh absolutely I mean that's the thing when you get a, a fishery that doesn't there's not a lot of pressure on these fish per se I mean a five pound fish is a great fish anywhere in the country as far mm-hmm. as small it goes you know it's a great fish. It's when you get into that six-pound category or seven-pound category that you really get into a fish of a lifetime. And so, you know, there are those fish out there, you know, that can be caught out there. It's just there's not lots of them to catch, you know.
1: Do you get a chance to, um, you know, where you're located right now, do you get a chance to fish in the inland lakes that are close to you that have good smallmouth?
0: You know, we don't have any good, and I, I say that respectfully, you know, I'm in the southern part of the state here. Most of our lakes yeah. are real small glacial type lakes. Sure. And for a night an average weekend tournament, you know, 10, 12 pounds is like a good weight. And that's mostly sure. largemouth.
1: Gotcha. And so gotcha. This,
0: this time you can get out and these lakes have some smallmouth mixed in. And you can find little pods of them, but you'll catch two and three pound size smallmouth. That's
1: kind of like the norm. Where do you think you know as far as your 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 skill level and being able to catch smallmouth in these tournaments, I've know you've done well St. Lawrence River, Lake Ontario, I, as far as those bodies of water, like what is your favorite body of water to fish for smallmouth?
0: Oh, that's a, that's also an impossible question to answer because mm-hmm. once, once I'm on the, it's a great lake system to be honest. I mean, if I'm on any great lake system, whether it's Lake Ontario, Lake Huron, Lake Michigan, the potential there compared to an inland body of water is just so much greater to catch, A, a, a true trophy, but B, also – to come across as a larger school of fish. Sure, you know the bigger structure you have, or the more bait fish you have, the bigger the schools of bass you can you know hold in a given area. So if you get into it in the lake, you know it's just everything's smaller. The structures are smaller, just, everything's smaller. So you just can't you can you can't whack them like you can whack them on the Great Lakes.
1: As far as the Great Lakes, uh, the St. Lawrence River, places like that. Have you found a big difference between that versus Southern smallmouth or, or have you had the opportunity to chase some of these Southern smallmouth at all around the country? Yeah.
0: They're hard to compare them. I mean, they don't, they don't act all the same, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, like go on a Pickwick or Wheeler, you know, place that have the smallmouth down there and they're beautiful fish down there. They get big ones down there. Sure. But there's nothing like, there's no comparison to catching a Northern smallmouth in that clear water. Right. Like when you, you've done it a million times when you hook that fish, and you could be down deep, and that fish turns sideways, and you see them coming up, and you get to watch them as you fight them. And it's just sure. the anticipation of fighting it's, that big fish.
1: It's so it's addicting. Just, mm-hmm.
0: It's so addicting, and it's so rewarding to watch that fish as you're fighting it, you know. The
2: right. extra
0: pressure, the extra stress, if you want to call it that, you know, you've got that fish on. Down south, the water's not near as clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll see that fish, but it's—it it's, you can't compare the two styles of fishing, you know, the two species, even it's just the Northern smallmouth are something special.
1: In your opinion, where's the best smallmouth fishing located in the country? Well,
0: I live in in Michigan. I mean, we got, you know, Kevin Van Dam here in Michigan. Right, right. I I mean, if, if the best smallmouth fishing was in New York, I think Kevin Van Dam would probably move to New York. That's true.
1: That's true. Although New York's (laughs) right up there as well.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, once again, I have to, you know, love my home state, you know, Michigan's got some phenomenal smallmouth, you know, here. Hey, look Mm -hmm. at look at Mark Zona. Where's he live at? I mean, sure, you know he's in his his region of the country too because he's not in New York. You got the point. I love New York though, you know, and I I love the St. Lawrence River. That is a very special place in my heart, Mm -hmm. along with most guys who chase smallmouth. I mean, that that place is something special. I Mm -hmm. love going there. It's probably one of my favorite places to go to because there's so many different ways you can catch them there. Mm -hmm. It's such a diverse fishery between the river and the lake. The Mm options that you can you know, you can decide between basically.
1: Speaking of different ways to catch them, what would be your favorite technique? Uh, You know, what's something that gets you extremely excited? You know, you're going to be able to, you know, use this technique to catch them. What's the technique that you really look forward to when you're chasing smallmouth?
0: Well, I think fishermen, we're all going to tell you kind of the same answer as far as what's really exciting. And that's top water. Mm. You know, I don't care if you're fishing for a muskie Sure. If you need a topwater bike if you're fishing for a big largemouth or an explosive smallmouth. When you can get a good, you know, topwater bite, that's by far the most exciting way to fish. Sure, you know, unfortunately, the conditions aren't there for fishing topwater on the Great Lakes like they usually are in an in inland lake. Mm-hmm. But I, I love to catch them on topwater. I mean, it's just something about whether you're, you know, fishing a big spook form or. You sure. know, whatever you're fishing before to catch them, but it's fun to watch them eat up on top.
1: When you're going to, say, a, a body of water like Lake Ontario, the St. Lawrence River, and you're preparing for a big tournament coming up, what are some of the things that you're going to do to prepare before you even get there uh, as far as trying to locate fish and, and you know conditions you're going to face, uh, especially for, for people that may have not fished the Great Lakes or are thinking about heading up there for the first time? You know, where's a good starting point before you even get there?
0: You know, my number one thing on a great lake system is the weather.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You
0: know, the weather dictates if you can or cannot even go onto that body of water in the first place. And so like the St. Lawrence, there's times they will close the lake off where you cannot fish the lake. You can fish the river. And so my first step always is checking the forecast because that's going to determine how far I have to base my pre-fishing it you know if I, if the forecast is showing that the lake's going to be closed then you just even you might want one or two nice calm days in practice to go fish the lake you know i probably mm-hmm. won't do that unless i'm fun fishing i might you know spend the time while in the river trying to figure out how to catch on the river if i get them dialed in i won't go catch them in practice i'll go out to the lake and fun fish for a day or two while it's sure. calm and then you know just for the fun of it but the weather channel is going to be the number one factor as far right. as you know where am i going to actually be limited to to fish a body of water mm, or even right. if you can fish the lake how much times involved to make that long run because sure. of the conditions some guys don't understand big water and sure. so therefore it's not safe for them you know sure like sure. they try to run too hard try to run too fast they end up breaking trowlers off and losing grass and right you know all kinds of crazy stuff
1: yeah that's that's the best advice i can give someone that's thinking about heading offshore and experiencing some of that great fishing that can be found oftentimes five ten plus miles from a boat ramp in big waves take your time right and you'll get there it might take you an hour but if if Mm -hmm. you can get out there and you can fish under those conditions and actually you know work a bait work a presentation effectively you normally can catch some good fish it's just you got to be aware of the situations and, you know, of course, weather always comes into play in any big body of water. And typically when we're chasing smallmouth, we're, we're always dealing with that. What do you think some of your strengths are when it comes to smallmouth fishing?
0: I'll do whatever it takes to catch a fish. And so now with all the new forward imaging coming out and stuff, that's really, you know, that's going to really change the smallmouth fisheries because that's where it's really going to come into play, you know, a lot more for guys who have that technology to, Sure. You know, snipe them, to see them fish ahead of the boat and be able to pitch to those fish with a drop shot and catch them that way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I, I'd say I'm a sight fisherman. Sure. You know, but by, by nature, I love to sight fish. And, and now with the electronics looking forward, those guys are sight fishing those fish. Mm. I mean, in, in, right, in deep water. Right. So it, it creates a lot more efficiency. I mean, it's like if you're blind, you know, casting a flat or if you're actually seeing a fish cruising and casting to that fish, there's a big difference in percentage of hopefully getting a bite. Sure. And so the same thing now comes into play with the Ford imaging guys are scanning around looking before they even make a cast and casting to that fish. So it's just a lot more efficient.
1: Sure. If, if you had a choice between targeting deeper fish or fish that are up shallow, can I assume you're going to, you're going to try to go for those shallow fish?
0: Here's the thing about the offshore fish, the, the deep structure fish is they're easier to catch once you, I say catch like back to back to back drops i mean you know sure it takes if you go off offshore where you got some structure if it's dead calm that bite's not very likely going to be very strong because those fish are off that structure suspended roaming around when you get it where there is some wind blowing where it gets rough out it starts creating current those mm-hmm. fish will actually get to that structure get behind that structure and that's that structure actually comes into play for a feeding advantage for those fish and those fish actually get grouped up sure so If you get the conditions to where those fish are grouped up out deep, it's just a lot easier to just drop down, catch a five, drop down, catch another five. You know how that works. It could catch a big sack of fish quite easy. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're shallow, you got to hunt and peck for them. Like you catch one here, you lose one there, you go another half hour, another bite. It's a whole different – it's actually more work catching them shallow.
1: Yeah, I agree. Exciting, though. It's like hunting, you know, picking that that big fish.
0: You know, I love to fish shallow, so – You know, yeah, I love to go shallow and hunt and peck for them, but I also love to just drop down and cranking five pounders like it's nothing.
1: Right, whatever works, whatever. Yeah, whatever works. As far as your setup, so when you're when you're fishing deep, sounds like you rely a lot on your electronics. You're looking for areas. Uh, In a typical day when you're going out looking for these deeper fish, are are you are you graphing a lot? Are you spending some time, obviously, probably with your electronics? What are you looking for when you're fishing? offshore trying to pinpoint a, are you looking for a big school? Is that your goal? Or are you looking for like rocks, like little spots or, or, you know, what, what are you typically looking for?
0: I'm looking for all of that. I mean, because depending on what time of year it is, certain times of year, those fish are not grouped up yet. Maybe hmm. after the spawn, they haven't quite grouped up yet. Depends what time of year you're actually fishing. But if you are in that time of year where the fish should be grouped up, then I'm looking for big groups of fish.
2: Big if you're groups. That are... time
0: of year, yeah, if they're in more transition type, then I'm gonna be looking for individual boulders and such where those fish are gonna stop on or, or be more. So it really varies a lot. We all want to find that mega school. We all want to just find that right. one big school of fish and make it easy. Oh yeah, I find a big school. Yeah, I wish it was that field, easy. You know, right. Yeah, and more times it's not. And so mm-hmm. we look for that opportunity to find a big school, but in reality, you know, you're happy to catch one here, and one there is they're the right ones, you know, after they're the five big ones you're looking for.
1: Yeah. When you do find those fish, uh, are, you, are you utilizing pretty much drop shotting? Are you throwing a few other baits in the mix uh, as far as techniques?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it, that was kind of like for me the first time I fished, uh, you know, Lake Ontario, I just really could not get a good tube bite. You know, I fished sure. a lot of tubes in Lake Michigan here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, those fish just not did not relate to wanting to eat that tube very well for me. I
2: picked
1: up a drop
0: shot. You know, and they just wanted to suck that drop shot in like it was candy. They just, they just want to eat that drop shot. And so, you know, I'm going to have a, now I've gone back and I've fished and I've caught them on tubes pretty well on Lake Ontario. So it just depends on
1: mm-hmm.
0: what they feed on that given day or month, whatever it is, or, you know, that, what's going on. So sure. you've got to have your typical smallmouth arsenal. You've got to have your spy baits, your sprinter baits, you know, yes. your drop yeah. shots, your Ned rigs, your tubes, whatever you feel, you know, and kind of go through until they tell you what the big ones are biting some sure. days those big ones want that real fast reaction drop on a heavy drop shot you know and these pick up and they just they just gonna mm-hmm. run to it and eat it other days they want a bait that's gonna fall and like a little ned, something a little more subtle sure. things kind of just kind of stalk it down and you know so it's just we all have the same baits out there for the most part yeah there's a few secret baits out there but it's not ever it's just more of dialing sure. those fish in, dialing the fish in for that given day
1: when when you're throwing a drop shot, speaking of baits, what bait are you probably going to start out with or have tied on more oftentimes than not when you're targeting those deep fish?
0: You know, it depends. If they're eating on shad, I'm going to fish some type of shad imitating bait. If they're eating gobies, I'm going to try to, you know, pick up a goby imitating bait.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's, that's the two main things. Now, typically craw- if they're eating crawfish, then that's more of a two. Sure, you know presentation or a Yamamoto type, you know hula grub, you know okay. presentation. And I'll keep an eye on my live well a lot of times. You 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 you'll, 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 you'll fish point. and catch a live well, and the end of the day, you look in here, there's a bunch of crawfish pinchers and stuff, and you go, oh, these fish are eating crayfish. Or you go in there, and there's some big perch spit up on the you know on the live sure. well or whatever it may be. So I always kind of keep an eye on what those fish are kind of leaving behind in the live well.
1: Well, the Great Lakes with the clear water, there is a lot. Lot of opportunity to go up shallow and so i want to kind of pick your brain when it comes to the shallow bite it's so massive okay for someone who's never been up there or, or just starting out where does one even start because you can look at a map you can look at your navionics chip or whatever the case may be your lake master chip and there's a bunch of shallow flats you can you can see them on your graph you can where do you start when you want to target those shallow water fish
0: you know i typically look for you know, spawning flats the right kind of bottom content for it, whether it's boulders mixed in, some rocks and clay mixed in, you mm-hmm. know, and kind of go, you know, from there.
1: Is there any particular bait you like to, you found more effective when you are targeting those shallow fish?
0: You know, I like to always start off with something faster moving just to try to cover water, you know, whether it's a spinner bait or, you know, a spy bait, something you can just kind of while you're, because once you find that little concentration, then you can slow down and kind of pick them apart. So you can fish a big, expensive flat, it might be a two hundred yard stretch that is, they're just for some reason they just want to be there in that one little area,
1: right? And so right. I'll
0: cover water until I find that one little area. Once I find that area, then I'm more finesse fishing for them.
1: Okay, okay. So because reaction baits to, to find bait,
0: them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like throwing a jerk bait, for example. You know, I love to catch them on hook them on that, but I just I lose so many fish on a jerk bait. Sure. So it's sure. like, you know, if I can throw a single hook type bait like a spinner bait, for example, or a chatter bait where they eat that single hook. Mm-hmm. The chance that we land them just goes way higher.
1: You mentioned spy baiting a few times. You know, I know it's effective. What What are some tips that you can give somebody that wants to go out and start throwing spy bait? Is this something you're fishing shallow? Are you Are you trying to fish it deep at times?
0: Yeah, I mean, most guys will fish it shallow. You know, and the key is having that, that sunny, flat, calm, more of like a finesse presentation where those fish don't want to respond. You know, to a real aggressive bait, but they want to stalk down a bait and, and track it. And, and eat it. the setup is very crucial for that. I mean, you want to have a, a soft rod. Okay. You want to have the light lines. So you make that long cast. And you've got to fight that fish really gently on them small hooks. Now, I do use it a fair amount in a deeper situation while i count it down, you know, and fish them deep fish, actually, on a spy bait as well sometimes. Okay. Most guys don't do that a whole lot.
1: No, no. In fact, we're talking about this setup. So, are you are you like a medium light, seven foot, yep. seven six, yep.
0: seven six at least? I mean, I want a long rod. I want, a, I want a, a you know, a long rod. I can really just lob that bait out there a long ways. I don't want to use a braided line for me. I want to use a fluorocarbon or even a mono. Something that's got some good stretch to it that really can handle that head shaking and that you know,
2: sure,
1: that
0: constant hard pulling from a smallmouth.
1: You know, a lot of guys will throw a real light line. What's the heaviest you think you can get away with and still effectively fish a spy bait?
0: Eight pound.
1: Eight, yeah.
0: You can catch them on. You can catch them still on. You know, ten pound or twelve pound. But the mm-hmm. action of the bait really, that light line allows that bait to really rock as it as it's coming in and kind of makes that little rocking motion or rolling motion as you reel it in. Sure. And the stiffer line you go to, it just that uh, bait doesn't look near as natural in the water do you
1: have a particular brand you you seem to gravitate towards as far as spy baits go
0: yeah i mean you can buy whatever you feel comfortable in i mean they all make them now Mm -hmm. and so i'm not going to promote anybody or try to say this is a magic bait you know you just gotta you know pick what you like and even color wise you gotta pick and build confidence in certain colors that's the whole thing about fishing you know is it's so easy getting the guy's minds going oh you have to have the green pumpkin, something with a red flake in the tube, you know, or something. Uh-huh. We're always like, you know, and you dig through your box, and you go, I don't have any red flake, you know, and it's for like, sure. you know, guys love to get in your head to try to get in your head, and it's really not that. It's more of a mental game for the fisherman, not so much. Does it really matter that much? Sometimes I think keeping
1: it simple.
0: Keeping it simple, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I, that's one thing I gotta get. I gotta. I gotta throw it more. You know, I know it's an effective way to to fish. I, I'm like you. I'd love to throw a chatterbait. Spinner bait, whether it be burning or slow rolling, whatever the case may be. A lot of times, those shallow fish, it's one of my favorite ways to fish would be to cover water like you were saying, throwing the spinner bait, maybe burning it back, something crazy color, you know, depending on the day, and then having a backup plastic to pitch to those those I'll fish.
0: See. Now you're talking.
1: Yeah. Now, now, when you see a fish, when, when you're spy baiting up shallow, do you have those situations where you see a fish and he's not committing to that bait or... Can you get them to bite more often than not?
0: You know, more often than not, I mean, they will at times not, they'll stalk it for a long ways and not eat it at Mm -hmm. times, you know, but more times than not, when that fish is going to stalk that spy bait, it's it's subtle enough that it's going to eat it. If I'm throwing that bait out there, I don't care if it's at the end of my cast or halfway back, I'm always watching that bait because so many times that fish will come up off that rock or boulder Come up, with follow up bait for ten feet, and then go back down. Yeah, and if you can see yeah. that fish, you just found a fish that you're gonna catch. Like I said, you have your Ned rig, you have your drop shot, you follow a sure. bait to catch that fish. And a lot of times, yeah, I'll use that big bait just to find them fish. Okay, come water sure. real quick with a search bait, and as, soon as that big fish shows itself. You know, right where to pitch in there and, and catch that fish on a mm-hmm.
1: finesse presentation. Right. What would you consider your favorite time of the year to target smallmouth? I-
0: you know, so it's, it's hard to pick because, like you said, you start off and say, hey, there's springtime.
2: There's,
1: sure, there's I giant know
0: monster pre-spawn females that have been under the ice all winter. Uh-huh. You know, and you get your first crack at it. It's not super exciting. Sure. And then you transition into summertime and you go, hey, it's summertime. There's, there's the thought of finding that mega school of offshore fish that just have all grouped up. Mm-hmm. And then you go into fall time, and it's the opposite of spring, basically, where the fish are they're getting big and fat before the ice comes on. I always loved fall fishing, Mm-hmm. just cause it involves different techniques. Like I like to fish a lot of, uh, silver buddy type, you know, yeah. metal baits in the bottom, you know, sure. in the fall time. It's yes. just, it's fun to do it back home. It's such a
1: fun way to fish, you know, blade baits, uh, deep water, mm-hmm. but what's your typical setup with a blade bait and how do you fish that? Be-
0: One thing I definitely learned is, you know, it's a reaction type bait, you know, and the, the whole the whole theory always has been in, oh, the water's cold, the fish don't really bite very well. And, you know, when you're out fishing this time of year, it, the water's gonna be 36, 38, 40 degrees, 45, mm-hmm. you know, it's gonna be cold. That bait is a fast moving, heavy, you know, it's, it's a piece of lead, you know, yep. and metal. And so it just crashes to the bottom. And depending if you're using silver or gold, what colors you use or painted, and what other, there's so many options out there to fish. But, sure. The key is, once again, is finding that group of fish. That's the number one thing is finding find the seasonal migration okay, to where damn. those fish want to migrate yep. and possibly even winter in certain areas. You know, you won't catch them really well every single day because those cold water fish don't feed smaller, every single day really well.
1: Smaller feeding windows, I found. That, that smaller feeding windows in the when year, you find yeah. those
0: small weed windows, you can catch them and catch them and catch them. And so sure. setup is very crucial. I like to always have at least two different setups on my boat when I'm fishing for blade baiting. Okay. And I say that I'll fish a bait casting rod with either 12 or 15 or something like that. Okay. Test fluorocarbon, a little thicker diameter line. And I'll always fish a spinning rod with like six or eight pound test as well. And there'll be always one of those two opposite combos will work. Okay. It's all about the fall. The fall rate is different. You know, the, the thicker line, it takes a little bit more resistance to make that, that bait actually vibrate. Sure. Where that thinner that thinner line, that bait's gonna vibrate easier. But there's always gonna be a like you'll know. I mean you'll pick up one rod and fish through an area and maybe get a few bites and you, the next rod you'll pick up and you'll just catch them every cast almost on it sometimes. And
1: you you can see that change. Like let's say you caught them on the spinning rod setup one day, you can go out the next and it may be totally different. Is that what you're saying?
0: Oh yeah. Or okay. the best part is like you say if you got a buddy in the boat with you and sure. you know he only brought one rod with him or something, you you know. And right. It just so happened to be that it's the light line that they're biting the light line that day. And you just, he can't get a bite hardly sometimes. And you might catch him every cast. And it's like, okay, sure. eventually I give him the rod. So here you go, you know, catch right. them. Because it's just, it's just a fine line in that re, re, just the fall rate or something special about it. I mean, I can't, I can't tell you for sure what it is, but I think mm-hmm. it's just the rate of fall sure. that really affects that bait. So-
1: the fall transition, these fish are starting to get towards their wintering holes, or maybe they are in the, their wintering holes. From what I gather, from what we were talking about, it's crucial to find out where these areas are, find them on the graph or whatever the case may be, past history. You know that this time of year with the water temps, this is where they always kind of congregate and hang out. and Normally that's consistent on the Great Lakes year after year, yeah. I'm assuming, uh, are you are you casting that, or are you working it straight, you know, vertically by the boat? What's what's your favorite way to retrieve that uh, when you when you do get over these fish?
0: Oh, definitely casting form. You know? Okay, you you can catch them vertical. You know, heck, you can catch them through the ice. You know, fishing sure. them through the ice, you can catch them that way mm-hmm. vertical. But yeah, I prefer to cast to them. It's just fun to catch them that way too, and you actually get to feel yeah. that bite better. Yeah, crank them yeah. in and catch you know and actually fight the fish, and so it's just fun to actually cast to them. Sure. And that's one thing you said too is very true. Is once an angler learns where those fish tend to winter every year, you know, you got to take care of those fish and you know because they're very vulnerable at that
1: absolutely point
0: because they're they're grouped up. It's fun too because once you spend the time in to figure out, you can go. You're not so much searching for those fish anymore. You pretty much know I'm gonna catch, catch fish right here. You yes. go to that spot and catch them time in, time out.
1: Do you find a different retrieve sometimes works over over another? Or is it, you know, when I think of blade baiting, for me personally, what I've experienced is it's, I, I try not to hop it a whole lot. I found days where smaller hops work, at least in some of the conditions that I fish.
0: Although yep. well, there's, there's definitely always a special cadence to getting those fish to, you know, to sure. bite that given day. And that's, what's so fun about blade bait fishing It's just if guys who haven't fished it, you got to you know, put a lot of time in to really understand how to catch them. Because if they're not biting, you have a hard time figuring it out. If you get lucky, you pull up to a group of fish and they are biting. It's easy for a person who has never fished a blade to figure out how to work a bait.
2: Sure. But
0: it's definitely, like you said, I call it like little burps, like little okay. hops, like little boot, you barely, barely, you know, but there's right. definitely a cadence. It's like fishing at top water pop bar. Sure. You know, you can sit there, just pop it once, pop it once, pop it once, and all the way back to the boat, and you might get bit. Mm-hmm. There's definitely going to be a trigger cadence where you pop it one, two, you know, one, two, three, one, two, you know, just got, keep chaining that cadence until you figure out what actually triggered that fish. And so the same mm-hmm. thing applies to those fish down on a blade bait. They're seeing that that bait. They're stalking it. You know, and there's times you even dead stick it for a second. There's times yeah. they'll crush it on the Isn't bottom. That they'll that crazy? Actually, sure. You know, take a piece of metal and crush it right into the old ground. I call it ground and pound. They're actually ground and pound, right? You know, and this right. days that's how they want it. You will you'll work it, work, work it. As soon as you dead stick it, you just wait you'll they'll come and crush it. There's always a, a certain cadence for that day. But once you figure that out, that's what's so fun when you're fishing for fun with a blade bait with some friends, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. It's,
0: somebody in that boat's going to figure out that little special cadence first. Sure. You know, and go to catching them. And that's where it's like, you know, if it's not me, it's it's my buddy, and then you got to watch and see what's he doing, right? How's he, you know, what's his cadence, what's his little secret, to why is he catching them?
1: Are you bringing out a variety of colors? Or are you pretty basic when it comes to that?
0: You know, I have fished the blade bait since I was quite young, you know, for years, and so I got way back, a long time ago, got to do it best molds for, it and actually poured my own blade. Okay, and sure. I still, I still got a you know boxes of it, and that's kind of my. My go-to still is the ones that I actually pour myself. A bunch of companies out there that make them that are fantastic, you know, blades as well. But I just haven't really mm-hmm. found the need to venture out and, and buy you, them yet. At yeah, this point. if you found
1: if you found a specific one that works, homemade are sometimes the best. Yep. So I assume it's more silver, gold, those. types yeah, of Yeah, I'll colors. take the time.
0: I'll, I'll paint some. Up. I'll paint them up sometimes as well, and give them some more natural colors or crawfish-looking colors. Sometimes. Okay.
1: Have you found the blade bait, or have you used it a lot besides? Colder water is that a is that even a technique that you think about during middle of the summer?
0: I mean, I've caught them on it. Sure. You know, I always I always keep the box in my boat. Mm-hmm. It never leaves my boat per se. But I will say, I caught them in Florida on it. Sure, <laughs> you
2: know? sure. And it's
0: just kind of a weird weird place to take it. You know, is to take that blade bait. You know, and it stays in my boat all the time. Sure. You know, I've caught them in Florida on it pretty good sometimes. Just because you get, a, you get a cold front and push those push those fish down to the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing that's neat about this time of year when you're blade bait fishing is you think of the, the levels, you know, it's, it's not the top water level. It's not the mid-level of water. I'm saying, like, if you're in 30 feet, you're not going to get bit in the t- you know, first 10 feet. The next 10 feet, you're going to get bit in the bottom two feet. So those sure. fish are really kind of in a very specific zone. Whereas the rest of the year, those fish could be, you know, kind of spread out in different zones throughout the water.
2: Exactly. And so and when you get into sense. a cold
0: front down south, it's the same thing. Those fish that are a lot of times high in the water column, they get pushed to the bottom water column and kind of bunker down. There's
1: one bait in particular that you could use for, like, this is it. You have to use this one bait for the next year, it's fall, spring, summer for smallmouth. What would that bait be?
0: Oh, that's i a know tough one, man. it's a you're tough one me. you're killing me because you know we're like we're like collectors you know we have baits I, and baits yes, and boxes yes. and tubs and trays and you know i know <laughs> and that's why we have 25 rods in the boat because, i know. You know i know we've got 25 favorite baits we want to try to catch. exactly you know but i would say once getting earlier that the favorite way to catch them is on a top water just because you get to watch that fish come up and play with that topwater bait. Like if you're fishing a spook and that big fish is coming up there and he rolls at it, misses it, slashes it, misses it, and you finally hook mm-hmm. up, it's just something exciting about that
2: Sure, sure.
0: That bite, you know, to watch that fish come up and, and chase that topwater bait. And they're like a cat and mouse. You know, they're definitely sure. teasing you, you know. So I'd what say are, probably for me it'd be a top water bait. Topwater bait.
1: Topwater bait. Do you have a lot of experience uh, fishing down south for smallmouth in some of the reservoirs or the Tennessee River? Have you been able to mess around with those fish on a, a regular basis, or, or not too often?
0: No, not too often. Because why? I mean, I just don't leave Michigan to go down south to chase smallmouth. That's right. You know,
1: Same you, here. I you
0: mean, know, we, we understand that what we have in our backyard here. You know, even me, I don't have great smallmouth fishing. I've got to drive two, three hours sure. north to really get into some good smallmouth fishing, mm-hmm. and so. That's why I actually say I'm not really a smallmouth guru, per well, se, like a lot of guys think I am.
1: You do very well I mean, in smallmouth events, so there's something to be yeah, said I mean, about it's, that. Yeah,
0: because it is my roots. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's where, like, fishing the Northern Series, you mm-hmm. know, on the FLW side or the Opens, whatever it may be, it's, that's kind of my natural environment. So I naturally sure. just kind of, I guess, excel without well, even thinking about it.
1: it. It sounds like you kind of answered my next question. I, I ask everybody that comes on. You know, what do you think in your mind separates the top smallmouth anglers out there when it comes to events and, and and places where these big smallmouth live? What do you think makes them so successful? Is it, you know, some people say it's just they're addicted to the smallmouth. They're, you know, they're, it sounds like to you, it's just your your natural environment. It's just what you're used to, those types of systems where these smallmouth live. I, You know, I don't want to answer that for you, but what do you think... What, what makes someone like yourself so consistent when it does come to smallmouth fishing?
0: I think just having that good intuition, you know, being I've done it for quite a long time, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just not just small, that's just tournament fishing in general, whether it's largemouth or smallmouth. Is a lot of the younger kids that come out and jump into the sport, they're so blessed to have the technology that we have now to make bass fishing a lot easier. Sure. And so I would definitely say it's a lot tougher to separate a great fisherman from an average fisherman because the technology is so good out there. Sure. 20 years ago, you know, there was a huge gap between the great fisherman and a good fisherman.
1: Make a good point. And so, yeah.
0: And that words, where the guy who had the time in the water, he knew how to triangulate those offshore spots and had them to himself. Sure. He had a paper, had a paper map. Right. You know, all this other stuff. And so now that's all gone, you know, it's still if you have that intuition that still helps separate the great angler from a good angler and so i say that meaning that if you do something all the time it becomes second nature to you and so for me i don't do small all the time but i've done it long enough that it becomes second nature to me sure so if i go to lake champlain if i go to the thousand islands if i go to traverse city up in michigan here or somewhere you know it's just I'll adapt and adjust a lot quicker than a guy who comes from Florida sure. to go fishing for smallmouth. who doesn't understand, right? You know the natural cycle and just natural habits of that fish.
1: It's a whole nother world. And they're a whole nother beast, but that's why we love them. It's super exciting fishing for smallmouth. I'm glad you could join me uh, tonight. It, it's uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, pick your brain about these big smallmouth, uh, and uh, I wish you the best of luck for uh, 2021 and hopefully you have another great year.
0: Oh man, I tell you said, you know, I'm a big Christian, you know, and I believe that God has always provided, you know, for me. And so to look back on 2020, it has been a blessed season. I look back on 2019 as a blessed season, I look on sure. 2017, 2018, 20, you know, you know, yeah. so I just I look forward to 2021 being another great season. And so sure. I do got to give a shout out to my sponsors that have yeah, made it possible, you know, and that's where you know, I'm growing in the sport still. You know, I feel like I'm not arrived yet, but I'm still climbing that ladder. You know, I, I fish for fun, like you and anybody else. You know, it, it just in your blood, it drives you, but it makes it a lot easier when you have good products behind you. Like I run a Ranger, mm-hmm. I always have. You know, nitros have come a long ways. They make a great product. You know, I've chosen to run a Ranger, and it's been a big part of my confidence in running a big water situation where I feel like my haul is gonna hold up.
2: It's a
1: great boat you know, for a running offshore. Guy, from day yeah. one,
0: that's always been a deal for me. But I picked up 13 Fishing. They make rods, reels, baits, and I've had them last year. And that made a huge difference on my 2020 season as far as just having really good, solid, consistent rods and reels on my boat. Yeah, I got to give them a big shout out because, you know, before I had a mixed match of everything mm-hmm. in my boat. Yes. It's like a golf set of golf clubs where you have, you know, uh, kind of all these different clubs, but now I have all the same brand of stuff. and It's just, sure. I've gotten to know their stuff a lot better and it's a lot more consistent and it just, it helps close the gaps on little things. And I say like little subtleties.
1: Sure. Well, yeah. Knowing your equipment and how, how it, you know, how it operates and everything's consistent, that's a huge deal. I know when a lot of people, when they start out, just like myself, it sounds like yourself, you know, we had a mix match of different things. Some reels work, some didn't, some had terrible drags and we just kind of dealt with it. And once you have a complete system and you can rely on that and you know exactly when you pick up this rod, you know how exactly it's going to feel before you even pick it up, you become intimate with that, with that equipment. And I think that allows you to just stay focused on the main thing, which is trying to locate fish and get them the bite and, you know, equipment that's top notch when it comes to rods, reels, tackle, it's extremely important.
0: It's very important for the fact, as far as competition wise goes, as far as finishing well, because one or two bites can separate you from being sure. first to be in 10th or from first to 15th. And so if you can do some things to minimize lost opportunities, and that's a big deal where you the rods and reel combos that are, you know. Yeah, I say that like closing the gap. I mean like having the exact right ideal rod for that for that bait. Sure. As before, I might have a rod and reel combo that's maybe not ideal for that bait.
2: Mm.
0: And so yeah. maybe I tend to lose more fish because of that. And So now I feel like I've got stuff more dialed in and having more rods and reels available to me to sure. get that percentage up higher and, and to fish well, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and before, you know, I always just ran the regular batteries. And now this last year I ran, uh, lithium batteries, you know, okay. lithiums. And so sure. once again, that's another piece of mind. If you're running yeah. shallow and running a bunch of spots, having that battery life to fish all day hard. Mm-hmm. Whereas before you might fish hard for four or five hours and the batteries start to wear out. You're kind of like, okay, I better slow down and you know, sure not cover much water. Yep. So it's just all the little things that, you know, you start adding up. And I definitely want to give a big shout out to uh, Mark Pfizer. He's on in Indianapolis, Indiana. He owns Trick Step. It's actually a, a step that goes onto your trailer that helps you walk up into your boat. Okay. You know, and he is actually Scott Dobson's title sponsor last year. And I think he will be again this next year on the circuit. Sure. You know, he gave me a, a step to use last year. And I'm like, yeah, I you know, yeah thanks, Mark. I won't really. You use know, it all the time, the I guys, bet. You know? Right? and i i can't Can't live without without it it. i mean yeah yeah i can't do without it now you know sure and that's once again what you once you get a great product in your hands and you actually use it when it's taken from you or you you don't use it you're like man i realized how important that product is it's kind of like before there was power poles you know like you know ah powerful that sounds cool that's like a luxury then once you have it you're like you don't have it (laughs) (laughs) You can't do without it, you know. You feel lost. So we're like That's a cool. bunch of spoiled babies when it comes to like fishing because we have all these, I said all these, you know. I would to call it necessities; we call it necessities, but luxuries, you know. Sure. That make sure. fishing easier. So much you easier. Know? And, I mean, he's a prime example, and you know, guys will laugh at me about it a little bit. Is that that whole cone flogger, whatever you want to call that? Sure. Orange cone that you know used for smallmouth right. fishing. You know, i never used those things before, and. My roommate out there on Champlain, I think the first year I won the series out there. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't have one. And he's like, Ron, you're crazy not to have one. I'm like, I don't need that, Gary. I'm like, come on, you you know. And I found this four pound fish on a bed. I caught it. And I went to mark the bed and I couldn't re-find the bed. It drove me nuts. Like, this fish is right here. It's under the boat. I just could not find it because it got the clouds kind of came in, it got choppy out. So I marked the general area, borrowed Gary's cone, came back next day and spot locked it and i just kind of you know knelt down the carpet i looked around the, and i just oh i mean there was that fish on the there bed it was sure you know 30 25 feet away from where my corner was you know mm-hmm. but it was like you know i was like okay that's a tool i must have you know in my boat right. because if you need it and you don't have it you're not competitive yes.
1: how can people find you on social media what's the best way
0: you know i'm not super active on social media i okay. mean i've got my instagram It's Ron Nelson fishing. I'm on Facebook a little bit. You know, at some point I'll I'll, will aspire to be like you. Maybe (laughs) and actually spend more time, you know, being socially uh, involved on social media. Sure. It's just you know, there's a lot of work involved with it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to create that content day in day out and you know it's awesome that you do that because it's a lot of work involved
1: yeah yeah thank you it's it's uh it's been fun we get to hang out and talk to uh great anglers like yourself so again i want to thank you for coming on the podcast we look forward to your uh to following you next year best of luck and i appreciate everybody listening to this
0: Thanks so much for listening today. Make sure that you're subscribed to the show and follow us on Instagram at Small Mouth Crush. Also, the YouTube channel, Small Mouth Crush. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a five-star rating and comment with a review below. And as always, until next time, we'll see you on the water.